Hello, internet user. Yes, that applies to you because you're around right now and you got a podcast. Gotcha. Anyway, Squarespace is the way to put yourself on the internet and have a website on it. Join the community of people with websites. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers, 24-7 award-winning customer support, and more. Discover it for yourself by heading to squarespace.com cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ. And I am also, also excited to do an episode about the majority of the internet by volume. And I'll explain why. Our topic today is Weird Ways Modern TV is More Frustrating Than Past TV. One more time, that is Weird Ways Modern TV is More Frustrating Than Past TV. And everything we're talking about today is very, very fun. Uh, we, we are complaining a bit because that's the nature of it. But I, I fundamentally think it's fun because here's an interesting thing about being alive. TV and the way it has advanced is counterintuitive. A lot of these new things and new technologies and new ways we have of seeing shows sound amazing and then have counterintuitive problems baked into them uh, that we don't all think about or we don't all know the statistics and the, and the underpinnings of. And that's what we're getting into today. There's a lot of new technology here and strange VR and things, and there's also a lot of focus on the biggest new phenomenon in TV. It's not new, new, but the, the latest sea change in TV, streaming services. I'm talking, of course, about Netflix. Uh, you also know Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Go, and Now, and so on, and many, many more. I watch these, I enjoy these, and as you'll hear, there are incredibly surprising things about them. And here's one thing that may surprise you about them. Like I hinted before, they are the majority of the internet by volume of traffic. According to Mashable, this past October, uh, so there's definitely even more of this now, as of this past October, streaming video was 58% of all internet traffic. Obviously, a bit of that is YouTube videos and so on, but streaming video is that percentage. The majority of it is shows that people are binging. The major Netflix service is 15% of all internet traffic on its own, and also Mashable says that Netflix would actually be a higher percentage if their video compression was wasn't so good. They're actually like working hard to keep that down. In general, most of our shows are streaming or, or being loaded through the internet. Also, there's a weird wrinkle where that's maybe a little bit worse for the environment. According to the BBC, terrestrial broadcast TV had a much lower carbon footprint than the current uh, streaming through the internet system that more and more people are using. The worst one uh, for your carbon footprint is watching stuff over mobile data. If you just fire up a Netflix show when you're not even on Wi-Fi, like some kind of internet baron, uh, that's, that's a little bit of a impact on the environment. Obviously very marginal, but it is a thing. And when all of us on Earth do it, it's actually noticeable. So those things that might be surprising to you and uh, are also very, very rooted in new things going on, that's what we're getting into today. And I cannot wait to talk to our guest about it. He is really the godfather of podcasting. I think I could just say that. I think that's true. And an amazing comedian and an extremely uh, friendly and generous person, Jimmy 
Pardo is on the show today. You know him, of course, from the Never Not Funny podcast, which is a fantastic show. And then there's a whole players club of more shows. Also, he's done everything from uh, working with Conan O'Brien and doing warm up for that show to being a stand up comedian all over the country. We will have his next date's food noted in this episode. And he and I and you listening have seen in even the last couple of years a whole sea change in how TV works. I can't wait to get into all the different ways that is weird and surprising with our wonderful guest, Jimmy Pardo. One side note before we get started, I'm taping this before we did our live London episode of the Cracked Podcast, but this releases after that. So some of you were there and some of you were wonderful. And you know what? All of you were wonderful. Surprise. Uh, But I'm sure it was amazing and I'll talk more about it on next week's show. But enough about London. It's time to talk about TV. Please sit back. Or, and I can't stress this enough, if you are wearing the Netflix VR headset, do not sit too far back. You will stare at the ceiling of a virtual room instead of staring at the show you're trying to watch. You can't lay down when you're doing Netflix VR. Either way, here's this episode of the Cracked Podcast with the one and only Jimmy Pardo. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. basic thing we're talking about here today is that I think counterintuitively, the TV watching experience has gotten kind of harder and kind of stranger, even though our technology is so good. Would you agree? Does that does that seem like a thing that's going on? I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I just had to um, my television, which for all practical purposes is brand new. Like it's maybe 18 months old, but already Hulu and MLB and one other one, the smart TV aspect of it yeah. is obsolete. And so, oh, no. <laughs> uh, so I would either have to get a new TV or I, I ended up getting Fire Stick from Amazon. Um, that's not a plug. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, again, this brand new TV is obsolete because these apps and stuff keep, you know, uh, updating and whatever they do. I don't know. I'm not a smart man. I talk for a living. <laughs> I don't know anything about technology. <laughs> I think everybody feels that way. Like there's just these new things washing over us all the time. Yeah. And I immediately felt old when I said that, but it is, it is a phenomenon. Like it's a thing where, as we'll talk about, there are all these new services all yeah. the time to deal with. One thing here, there's a few cracked articles we're drawing on. One is called 12 Ways Streaming Services Are Getting Worse by Daniel Dockery. And one thing he picks out is that there are a lot of platforms. And I remember, like, especially when Netflix became more of a streaming thing, I thought, mm-hmm. like, oh, we've perfected the, my experience of watching shows. And now as uh, the article picks out and we'll have a list linked, there are about 100 streaming services. And all of them cost money, pretty much. And all of them have different things. All of the old shows are spread out across them. And it's not a manageable way to watch anything. My son, I have a 12-year-old son who uh, we have one of those remotes where you could talk into it and then it'll hopefully find it on your system. Yeah. And thank God I have my son to do that because I would be an old <laughs> man fiddling with, I, I hate the word clicker, but like the old man in a rocking chair with a clicker not knowing where his program is. I love all older words for clicker, channel changer, everything. They were uh, great. Yeah. Uh, we always said remote. And so whenever I heard people go, where's the clicker? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we we said remote like human beings because it's called the remote control. <laughs> uh, we're not hill people. Why is that uh, right. happening? Yeah. Remote was an appropriate amount of slang. We dropped the control. Right. But also there's a thing here where, and it's a thing that I don't think is, is obvious to everybody, but our ability to skip ads has kind of degraded in the last few years. And one element of that is that we've got Gizmodo here and also Hidden Brain pick out that the very first remote controls, when that technology debuted, when it was a thing at all, 
it was sold as a way to skip ads. Like the TV companies, uh, the first one made by Zenith was shaped like a laser gun. Mm -hmm. And then you could use it to, I guess, pretend to shoot and kill the ads (laughs) by switching channels, uh, which is amazing. And we'll have a picture linked of it's got like a a handle and a trigger and everything. So would you, uh, I saw the, uh, what looks to be like a a drawing of it. Like I I didn't find any evidence of a a photograph of it. Yeah. Um, So was the premise that you would shoot your television? Oh, here's the commercial. You'd shoot the television. It would change channels for you. Yeah. But then you would have to then figure out when your other original program was back and you'd have to shoot it again to go back to that channel. I think so. Yeah, it was a little, and and I remember like having a remote and thinking, oh, like it's a little of a game. Like, like will I be able to have a sense of the four minutes until ESPN is back to the game? Right. But yeah, the the basic idea was it, the the early early ones. There, it doesn't seem like there was a way to specifically pick channels. So you were basically just gonna keep shooting, almost like one of those House of a Thousand Corpses or one of those yeah, video yeah, games yeah, yeah, yeah. where you just shoot without kind of <laughs> aiming. <laughs> right. Right. Know? Just hoping it connects with something. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those, it seemed like, yeah. which is not ideal, but but the remote control technology, it was like an original TiVo. It was like, we, the TV company, will free you from all this nonsense. Which is- It's it, crazy. You know, I'm, I'm much older than you. I'm 75 years old. And <laughs> I remember, we, I don't think we ever were bothered by commercials. You know, like it was, it just seemed like it was part of the landscape, you know, like- that you watched your show and then here's these tiny little shows in between giving you, you know, telling you about, like as a kid, we didn't know about what toys to buy unless the commercial told us. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. until like what, maybe the mid nineties that it really was like, we gotta be, we gotta be, you know, get rid of these commercials. I can't tolerate these three minutes. Were they just more pleasant? Well, uh, if you look at any of those YouTube <laughs> retro things of, you know, a collection of 70s things, you're like, no, they're not more pleasant at all. They're right. actually more, they're just kind of yelling at you the whole time. G.I. Joe is back. <laughs> like, okay. Um, I don't, I, I don't know what it was. They certainly weren't as glossy as they are now, but right. we just, I don't remember ever going to school and going, God, I just can't stand those three minutes in between my, like, I, nobody ever talked about it. Like we were. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Maybe we, we uh, the more options we've had and the more things we've been able to pick, Maybe. then suddenly we were like, we've got to, we've got to kill these, these we've got to kill them. <laughs> commercials with a gun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I had that was a competitor to TiVo was Replay TV. Are you familiar with Replay TV? No, I don't know. It was better than TiVo for some reason because you could just press one button and it would, fl- it would jump a minute. You literally would not have to watch any commercials. It would jump a minute and then a minute or and then another minute and then there's your show again. Right. Um, and then uh, that platform, for whatever reason, TiVo was the one that took off and Replay was left in the dust. And I'm sure somebody will tweet me now and go, actually, idiot, Replay, you know, joined with TiVo and they're not this. Or, uh, I don't know. Or maybe Replay is now some other brand that is bigger than they ever thought. But we're going we're gonna to get roasted by at Replay TV on Twitter. I somehow. hope I do. And send, right me, a new, uh, send yeah. me a new unit. My one from 94 isn't working as well anymore. <laughs> there were all those different ways from early remotes to TiVo to everything else to, to skip the ads and cable. And now that things are more on a Netflix and Hulu model, it's either Netflix where you're paying them money directly to not have ads. Yeah. Or it's, it's something like current Hulu where you are paying them money directly and still have ads, which is pretty remarkable. It is remarkable, right? Like you can't skip it. I'm you can't. We were. I was just walking in with my son this morning. We were watching a program, and I was like, I was running late to get here, and but we wanted to watch the end of it because it was a reveal show of you know the judges told you who was moving on. Oh, and I was like, well, can't we just skip these commercials like a uh, (laughs) uh, like some king that just just so put out by it, the complete opposite of what I was growing up? (laughs) And uh, Oliver was like, "Uh, we can't, Dad. It's 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 Hulu. 
But we pay them. We pay them to not do this. Um, it's Hulu is the entire explanation. Yeah. That's it. Uh, well. well, they seem to be doing okay. <laughs> With the exception of the app on my TV that forced me to buy some other unit. I'm mad at Hulu, it turns out. We'll get through it. It's not just that streaming services are, are hassles are difficult. Um, there's also a range of things here that are just purely new technology has, has caused a counterintuitive problem. And one of them is, there's a cracked article here called HD Remakes Are Making All of Your Favorite Shows Unwatchable by Mark Hill. And he digs into a phenomenon where people are taking past shows, especially big cable shows, and taking the original footage and the original masters and remastering them in HD, almost like with music or, or movie mm-hmm. DVDs or something. You know, very exciting. And they are screwing it up. It's not working, <laughs> which is taking something that was working fine and breaking it. It's the craziest thing. I don't know if I've watched any program where they've done that. I'd imagine there are some shows that they've remastered and I just didn't notice because I'm not very perceptive. Uh, like, like who can tell, you know? I, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I, might, I might go, hey, that looks interesting and why, that's a little different than I would forget about it seconds later. Yeah, yeah. But then there are also real glaring problems and one of them is one that happened with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that show, they finished making it in 2003. Uh, so it's not that old. It was made with like modern cameras and stuff. It looks good. Right. Uh, but what they did is they took the old footage and they said we will remaster it and so one of the things they did is they changed the aspect ratio so they went from four by three where it's a little bit more square to 16 by nine a little more rectangular Mm -hmm. and in the process they are either going way too tight on the old picture you had so important stuff's cut out of the picture or they pulled way back and you can see crew members. Wait, what? I sound like I'm kidding or I'm doing like, a, it's like a sketch premise or something. But the article we have linked here, you'll see it's shots from the remastered Buffy where there's the cameraman and a boom guy and another guy just off to the side while Buffy's doing stuff because they they switched it, the old footage, so you can see that stuff now. But why um, would that be allowed? Why is there no quality control? Apparently they don't care. They don't yeah. care. Send it out there. No. <laughs> How uh, uh, the the Buffy fans does that excite them? Like, because that's kind yeah. of cool in a way. Like, that's neat that I get to see behind the scenes, but it, of course, <laughs> it takes you out of the scene. Uh, or is it infuriate them? I don't. I'm not. I like the first way of thinking about it a whole lot. But we'll have linked. There's the Buffy wiki. They've they've rolodexed every single problem uh, with every scene of the entire remastered thing, including these things where, again, I it sounds crazy, but you can see the crew now. And they didn't change that or fix that or anything because they just took the old footage like from the camera or something Uh and widened it out so you can see them. All right. Well, I Uh, hope those guys get their SAG card out of it. I hope they are compensated (laughs) appropriately. That's what I can only hope. Right. See that? I like that upbeat thing of like, now they're canon. And like, now now it's a documentary, like The Office, you know, and now it's part of the story. I really like that. It could also be one of those (laughs) things, like I think, was it Seinfeld or whatever? It could be one of those where a guy was accused of murder. He's like, no, I wasn't. I was a cameraman on Buffy that day. It was Curb. And then they go, you are not a cameraman. There's no proof of that. And then all of a sudden the guy's at home watching this new expanded way. Like, there he is. Call the Wharton, get him out of the chair. We'll we'll link about it, that. Uh, it was a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode That's of the right. Dodger game, and the guy was in the crowd, so yeah. it, that was a solid alibi. He didn't do it because uh, <laughs> it was real, like in real life, right? Isn't yeah, it? real life. Yeah. yeah, I love that idea, man. I hope I hope we get somebody out of jail with this thing. I hope so. That's great. I think we're doing uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Lord's work with this program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the Lord's work. Not a religious man. <laughs> The Lord mostly deals in television shows and, and criminal justice. Well, you think yeah. so by the by the thank you uh, speeches at the various award shows. Like every, <laughs> he's the first person everybody thanks. 
So he must be involved. He must be. (laughs) And then on top of this thing where there are shows like Buffy where they're just throwing together an HD version where you can see the crew, there's also shows where they do a really good job. So Star Trek The Next Generation, they did a remaster where there are none of these problems. Fans say that they you can you can still see all the characters and you can't see any crew and it's it's working fine. But to do that, they spent three years on it and it cost twelve million dollars. So the problem there is to do a good job of this, you have to spend so much money that you'll never make it back. There's, <laughs> right, nobody, I mean, are, are, are there enough next-gen folks that are going to buy this box set, I assume that it is, right. to get $12 million back? I mean, that's- There's no way, yeah. Uh, unless, I mean, unless those boxes are a million bucks each and all dozen people <laughs> bought theirs. I know it's a huge show, I'm not putting the show down, but that seems like- No, right, yeah. Uh, that seems like a big roll of the dice, doesn't it? Especially because the whole show's on Netflix. Oh, well then. So you can just watch it there. You can presume Netflix will just put in the better one now. Right. There's absolutely no reason to go buy it. And they spent $12 million Why doing it. Why would they spend that kind of dough, Alex? I, I'd like to think they're just really nice. Oh. Uh, that's my best guess. I, I don't really know why they did it. Uh, there's got to be some uh, business motive behind it. Your, yeah. <laughs> your theory doesn't hold water for me. But... Uh, <laughs> We have a theoretically great technology of the picture's nicer now. And they're like, great, we're either going to ruin an old show or run out of money doing a good job of it. I it's would, crazy. I'd be interested, like the shows that, you know, I grew up, you know, with like the old, uh, the old couple, the odd couple or Barney Miller or one of those, like the 70s oh. kind of sitcoms. I would be interested to see if they would, if they would uh, polish those up and see what they would look like if I would be happy. Or do yeah. I like the fact that they look a little grainy and they look a little dated that, you know, that adds to the flavor of the program? Because I think it's nice. Yeah, like especially it's like it's not quite like watching a black and white movie, but it, it's that thing where there's a certain quality there that you yeah. don't get with other stuff. 100%. And it's great. Yeah. Because also one one thing that also happened with this Buffy remaster is lighting is very important, right? And like oh, people yeah. light toward a specific camera quality and things. And so there's a couple scenes in the the new remastered Buffy where a character who was fully hidden in shadow in the old version is just really obviously standing right. there now, uh, which is great. Really, so funny. Buffy's walking around trying to look for this person, and the person's right there. They're just standing there, yeah, and like. Hey, dummy, right there. Turn to your right. And they're like a scary, crazy-looking vampire, so you would notice them if they were lit up. I'd like to think you'd notice a (laughs) lit-up vampire if you walked into a room. Yeah, yeah. So it's Again, where's the quality control on this? (laughs) I I have to blame somebody. I'll blame it on the rain. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) That begins the musical section of the podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. And so that's uh, that's just some fun tech that is going on. Yeah. Uh, there's also a broader internet phenomenon going on. It's not any channels, fault or streaming services fault, but it's a thing where people on the internet who are obsessed with a, a hit yeah. current show, they'll say, hey, I saw one of the actors at an airport. And because he was at that airport in that country, it probably means he'll be in this scene. Mostly talking about Game of Thrones with that. Oh. Uh, but there's a broader fan thing where fans of shows now will just use their camera phone to say, hey, I spotted one of the actors doing X. That's now a spoiler for the show. And now you all just know this. It's a kind of rare phenomenon, but occasionally people do it. And in particular with Game of Thrones, there's been things where the character of Jon Snow, people thought maybe that character died and he gets resurrected later. Mm -hmm. But people saw him in life hanging out on the set. And so they just took a picture and said, hey, Internet, he's alive. He's still on the show. Uh, no, I didn't watch. Was he dead? Was he alive? I don't know. I don't he was, know. They resurrected. Oh, they did. Yeah, it's okay. a, it was like fantasy magic. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> not my bag. I don't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I know the world was crazy for it, but I'm glad yeah. to hear that this guy came back. It, uh, yeah, he good, made it. Good for yeah. him. Good, good for him. <laughs> he made it. Good for him. And what didn't they? Didn't we, they also do some nonsense with that where they? Um, they staged some stuff to throw the avid fan yeah. off the trail. And so that's that's become a thing now where because of mainly social media where any random person can broadcast this information, right. there's become a thing with TV shows and movies where crews now have to do a lot of shooting extra fake scenes or other elaborate ruses to preserve the secrecy for shows. And you, the viewer, didn't used to have to deal with this. Right? I'd, I'd say like, I don't know, five years ago, this wasn't a thing. Not a problem. Not not a problem at all. <laughs> I'm you know I'm a I'm a I, I hate spoilers more than anything in the world. I, I don't even like watching trailers because I I kind of just want to go in and enjoy a, a project you know blindly. Yeah, yeah. But I I boy I've got so many friends that will go you know they'll spoil a show for you or they're, they they want to be the first on social media you know on the East Coast to announce what happened on various shows and I and I don't man the East Coast. They really love well, doing that. They love doing it, don't they? Yeah. I can't believe he got shot in the head. <laughs> and then you're like, well, okay, they didn't say who got shot in the head, but you know somebody did. So now it kind of ruins your right. watching of Deadwood or whatever, you know. And I, I don't I don't understand that need to immediately reveal that. So I'm kind of on the side of the studios on this. Yet it's ridiculous that they have to do it. It's such a specific weird feeling to be like in a fight with your brain when you receive part of a spoiler. Yes. It's like, oh, now I have to diffuse my brain before it works out the rest of the spoiler, yes. which is impossible. It is. I was going to figure it out. 100. I used to, when I uh, <laughs> when I was on the road as a comic a lot more than I am today, I would, I would tape at the PGA golf and oh. I would then avoid any news about the golf. So when I got home on Sunday from the road, I could then watch the tournament. Cool. And inevitably it would happen in a way that you didn't expect. Like it would be like the weatherman would go, it's going to be hot out there today, but not as hot as Jack Nicholas. Like, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> and it would always be that. Like, well, there, there goes that unnecessary taping. And, right. <laughs> and so that was the way that it would happen in the old days. Now it would just like, you'd have to avoid social media if you wanted to really, you yeah. know, not know who wins American Idol or whatever, uh, you know, on the East Coast. I hadn't thought about that sports was a forerunner of this with all of them. Like it's like if, if you had any way of getting a physical tape to tape the game with your VCR, yeah. then you really, it was really precious to not be told what happened. And, 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 um, and you usually find out. <laughs> and, and, and to that end, it was like, you're taping it for a reason. You're, you're off doing something else yeah. and you can't wait to get home. Oh, this is great. I'm relaxed. I've got that game. I'm going to relax before I go to bed. And then somebody ruins it for you. So it's like they suck the fun out of life. That's yeah, what spoilers do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then this uh, this Game of Thrones one, this is beyond when, when Jon Snow was maybe dead and came back. Uh, but the actor Kit Harington plays Jon Snow. And when they were building up to the ending of the entire show, they needed to confuse people by filming extra scenes and so on. Mm -hmm. But then uh, they did an extra step here where they said, if the actor is not in Spain, where we're filming these these final scenes and so on, people will figure out just from his absence what's going on. That will be clues to them to, for what's happening. So what happened is the production made this real person, Kit Harrington, fly all the way to Spain and hang out on set for the entire shoot in Spain. The entire shoot. And there's there's pictures that they released later for fun of him just killing time and like messing with people's makeup and, and just loitering uh, because <laughs> they needed to they needed to fool people. That's the perfect they needed word. Needed to do it. Uh, <laughs> Wonderful. That's the weirdest thing to me. It's like it's not just 
suspicious that if you see them somewhere, it's a clue. It's if they're not there, yeah. even, even though maybe they're in their trailer or something, you don't know. But if they're not there, that'll be a spoiler. So now these actors have to just waste time in exotic places. It's ridiculous as opposed <laughs> to maybe thinking like, well, he must have shot his scenes already. Like, why why wouldn't that be yeah. the go-to? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, he must shoot his scenes another day as opposed to this day <laughs> when I see him in Van Nuys. Right? Like, right, right. Why would that even think, oh, he's not in the I see, I know what's happening here. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's very, it's very like presumptuous of fans to yes. be like, I know the order they do this in. Right. Or whatever. And you don't. <laughs> they shoot films out of order. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, I did, again, I don't watch this Game of Thrones, but I understand the ending was very disappointing to people. Yeah. I say that sarcastically because the world wouldn't shut up about how the ending was uh, was bad. I was never super into the show, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I felt like they they really uh, hurried through the ending. A bit. Oh, you, yeah, oh yeah. even you thought that? Yeah, it wasn't one, one great. Yeah, oh, okay. But uh, people were more upset than me because I, w- I was pretty disengaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, who cares? That's the thing. Or it, are you like, so invested in it that you're bummed that it why, – why should it go the direction you want it to? Because also this this thing of they need to shoot fake endings and, and move actors around like chess pieces. It also – it seems like it's part of a broader – good thing that is a problem that TV is considered more of an art now, you know, yeah. and it's it's more substantial and, and people finally realized its potential as a medium. And then we have all these things where people are like, since Game of Thrones is artwork, I'm going to to stalk the actors at Northern Ireland's airports right. and stuff. Weirdos. <laughs> like, I'm going to do that. Uh, now, all of that said, <laughs> in, in fairness to these people that I just made fun of, uh, if Handmaid's Tale, if somebody was to reveal a spoiler of that, oh. or if the ending... I think that would be one where I would go, I can't believe that. Like, I think I would. And a Handmaid's Tale. I would do All exactly right. what I've just made fun of for Handmaid's Tale. I think. Yeah. And yeah. I don't even know what I want the ending to be. But if it disappoints me, I'm gonna. I'm probably going to speak about it. Yeah, I... I, I have shows like that, too. Uh, specifically thinking of Grey's Anatomy. I've seen all of it. Uh, Hang on. If they- <laughs> I didn't realize I was talking to a 72-year-old housewife. Is everything <laughs> everything okay at home with you and your TV dinners? <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. yeah, we're both in our 70s. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a show I watch. It's great. Well, good for you. I don't know why I'm making fun. I've never See, seen one second of it. And yeah, and then we have uh, these other things where, again, because people can see the actors and, and uh, follow these things around, uh, they had to do a lot of elaborate work. And these are coming from Six and Six complicated ways Hollywood tried to stop spoilers by J.M. McNabb. The show The Walking Dead. Have you ever seen that show? No. It's, well, that's, I saw two episodes and then yeah. no thank you for Jimmy Pardo. So it uh, it's a pretty gritty show. And at the end of season six, they did a cliffhanger of all of the main characters are in a line and a villain is going to kill one of them with a baseball bat. And you don't know which one. You don't know who it's going to be. And the fans were very excited to learn who it would be. And so then... In between seasons, they needed to keep it secret, and so they shot the entire seventh season out of order just to confuse people uh, who were following it, and maybe these are flashbacks or something. You Ah. don't know. They could still be alive. Uh, And then they also shot 11 different endings to to this situation of somebody getting hit. So they basically just filmed every Mm -hmm. character being killed in a row, which is an incredibly elaborate amount of work uh, just for one murder. That's all. That's it. That's it. One murder. Then, yeah. you, then you'd go. Okay, new season started, and then you would just yeah. move on with your life. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you know, you or, or at least ideally, you would move on. Uh, yeah. Know, not everybody did. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, so it was, people are so obsessed with this zombie show. Also, it's a zombie show, so there's lots of death, but this one right. death was very important to people. And so they had to basically shoot the most inconvenient things possible to make it work. Which I, I, I assume was not cost efficient. <laughs> no, probably not. Right. I mean, I mean, not next gen $12 million rehab yeah, uh, right. waste of dough, but certainly sounds like a waste of dough. And now I'm thinking about that $12 million. Like, you could make some of a low-budget whole new show, right, for $12 million? I, I you don't, put that together? I, I've never we seen could. $12 million. Let's do it. Yes, you and I certainly could. <laughs> I've got some ends with the uh, Star Trek people. I could certainly get that done. We're not happy to do it. <laughs> you just beam out to go talk to them? I do. Well, you know, my father-in-law was on the original Star Trek. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, I've missed this. Oh, yeah. yeah he, uh, My father-in-law was Walter Can- is Walter Cannon, who played Chekhov what? on Star Trek, yeah. I I need to be more on top of these things. Yeah. Oh my god! So I do have a. Uh, uh, it was wonderful. A legit uh, connection, and my son plays him in a flashback in a what was supposed to be uh, the new web version of Star Trek, and then CBS got involved with the new Star Trek that is very very successful on their streaming platform. My son plays him in a flashback in a uh, in a scene. That's so the yeah, coolest thing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but it, uh, his hands are at the Chinese theater, and he's got a star on the Walk of Fame. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, he's core original cast. He's great. Yeah, he's iconic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Them I would follow around, but they finished, so it's okay. Uh, oh. Yeah, I think. Oh, <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe they won that last movie. Yeah, I doubt it. I'd see it. Uh, (laughs) We also, there's one more thing they had to work very, very hard to keep secret here. This is for uh, the show Better Call Saul. It's spun off from Breaking Bad, and it's great. It's its own thing. There's character Kim Wexler, played by Rhea Seahorn, who fans of Breaking Bad knew that in that show, costuming meant stuff. Like, they were extremely thoughtful about that, and that's clues. That's an exciting thing we have, right? Right. Like, the costuming's very thoughtful. And so they realized that in Better Call Saul... Kim Wexler's ponytail tightness was a clue. So they were were so detailed about making the show, they said, she's stressed out, so she's going to tie her ponytail tighter, or she's feeling fine, so it's going to be looser, Mm -hmm. or or maybe no ponytail, go crazy, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so so this became established, like the actor publicly said, yes, it's her emotional barometer, the the ponytail's important. And so now, if they're shooting the show, she can't be photographed by anybody, or like nobody can post pictures with her or anything, because her hair is a clue. It's like the thing of, oh, that guy might get shot, yeah. but with a ponytail. It's like, oh, she might be stressed, and that tells me stuff. Yeah. Does it tell you something? People get stressed. I, I could be. I was stressed earlier looking for a parking spot, and I'm relaxed now. <laughs> but with that, if you saw right. a photograph of me, you wouldn't go, ah, oh, it's a big reveal. Like, right? Isn't that overthinking it a little bit? I I'm would think so. Okay. Well, and, and it's that spoiler thing of, I don't know, if you give me that clue, my brain might like suss it out. Yeah. You know? And so people have decided that uh, like some fans have decided if we can see her ponytail on set, that we get, we gain clues and insights wow. into the next season. How about just enjoy the show? That's Why right. Why isn't that happening anymore? <laughs> and previously TV shows would just go on the air and you'd be like, oh, look, the characters. There they you are. Know? I'll see yeah. you next week. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was it. And then you talk about it the, during the week and then you it's back on again. Yeah, yeah. So it, it used to be less elaborate. It yeah. used to be easier. And, yeah, and the world's gone to hell. Thank you for your time, Alex. <laughs> Many thanks to Squarespace for their support of today's show, The Cracked Podcast, and they want to support you. That's the thing. It's all support. It's all standing on the shoulders of giants, to to put it in a very epic way. Because Squarespace makes it easier than ever to have a website, to put yourself online 
Whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, and more, Squarespace is the tool to do it with. Squarespace also optimizes their sites for mobile right out of the box. Like at whatever you build, whatever you do with their system, it will look right on tablets and phones. I can extra, extra speak to that this week because this past week, a friend of mine put their business up with a Squarespace website. They launched it through that and people loved how it looked. And I went from their Instagram announcement of it to looking at it on my phone's browser and it looked right because that's what they do. Uh, I already knew that and then I just got to see it again. It was very fun. My friend's site also had a great domain name because buying domains is simple when you use Squarespace to do it. You want to have a website that's named a thing you like because you're going to be saying the URL to people and so on. And if you use Squarespace, you will have that. It's going to be great. I've talked about them enough. It's time you look at what they can do. Head to squarespace.com slash cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cracked. Offer code cracked. There's also just a basic thing here of uh, streaming services costing money. Mm -hmm. Because as we said, there are about 100 of them. Uh, We'll have a list for you. And there's all kinds for streaming live TV or sports or Netflix types or or whole channels that are for niche. It's, It's all kinds of stuff. But each of them costs an amount of money. And even if you get a pretty basic set, quote unquote basic, it costs about as much as cable does or more. And so that's like a new frustrating thing that we've kind of found our way into, I think, in an original effort to get out of paying for cable. Well, right. That, was, that the was the whole premise was, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm cutting the cord. Yeah. And look at me, I'm saving uh, and what ends up being a nickel maybe now. <laughs> at the time, it probably seemed important. But then as you add, oh, I do like that show. I got to add that channel or that platform. Oh, I like that show. I have to that. And you yeah. know, before you know it, it's uh, basically what you just said, but more wordy and stuttery. Because <laughs> we've got, uh, there's a site called The Next Web, and they tallied up the top 25 TV shows on IMDb, like how popular they mm-hmm. are with people looking them up. And pretty soon there's like a Disney service coming and CBS is doing a Viacom thing. And pretty soon those top 25 shows are going to be spread across six different services with a total cost of up to $87 per month if you get all of them. Uh, and the average U.S. cable bill is $85. <laughs> so we've we've constructed this like elaborate technological informational way to yeah. pay for cable still. It's amazing. But you're getting some new programming, right? I mean, because uh, yeah. that includes Netflix, I got to imagine that. It that, does. So yeah. you'd, you're getting some documentaries and some other things that you wouldn't maybe with cable, right? Isn't I, it? That's true. Please t- explain that I'm not bad with my money and I'm doing okay. <laughs> I really just need you to hug and coddle me right now. Um, we, we all need it with budgeting, I think. We, we do. All, yeah. <laughs> but do you still have cable as well? Do you have cable and these platforms? There's people in my life with it, but I don't have it. Yeah. We, we, we have both. We have, you know, we have cable. Because oh, I, sure. I just kind of feel like I need that in addition to the various platforms we pay for. So I may be paying way too. I pay. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're telling me if there's too much. $7,000 a month. <laughs> Is that, too, am I paying too high? I got to crunch some numbers. I really must be spending too much somewhere on that. If you're, if you're listening at home, Jimmy is wearing one of those barrels with suspenders on it. I am. Uh, because he is penniless. Uh, he's out of money. <laughs> I am penniless. <laughs> yes, I'm the, I'm, I'm the opposite clown of Pennywise. I'm, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going through a tough patch. <laughs> I can't believe I hadn't even thought of that, where most people uh, want these new Netflix shows, especially because they spend billions and billions making them. And so if you do keep cable, then it's all these additional costs to see them. Yeah. It's not on cable. What am I doing? 
<laughs> All right, this was a wake-up call. The, I think this whole uh, thing was a ruse, an intervention that my wife set up to, uh, to have us <laughs> save some dough. Go ahead. I, I'm an idiot. And, uh, and so then on top of all this, uh, the Hollywood Reporter did a poll of people and found that the Americans they polled want a total streaming charge of $21 a month, uh, which sounds normal. That sounds about right. But the thing is, you can only get like two services with that, more or less. Can you, like, what are we looking at? Like, like seven bucks a piece now? Or I guess uh, or if you want, you don't want ads. It's more, right? Or- ne- well, yeah. Netflix is more than ten, and oh. uh, they're looking at. There's going to be something called HBO Max. Uh, that's that could be up to fifteen. So it, it is a thing where, depending on the things you get, it could be it could be more than that. Yeah. Okay. But and then if you want, like maybe an MLB package, or there's also all kinds of niche services, and they're yeah. all on this list. The MLB one is like 119 dollars too. Like that that one's expensive. Yeah, for the year. Yeah. 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 Still. Oh, yes, it is for the year, isn't it? <laughs> so to but the year's that. only like seven months, so right. It's a lot. <laughs> so it is. I, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think when these streaming things rolled out, we thought we were going to begin to save money. People still talk about like, I'm going to cut the cord. And then if you do, you will go from having one bill that you know about to several that maybe you forget some of. And so you just keep paying for one. It's a whole thing. Is there something psychological to that of if I subscribe to these various platforms and it's just, you know, taken out of my credit card every single month yeah. and there's $7 here, $9, 15 there, as opposed to here's your $187 cable bill or whatever it would be, right? It feels good psychologically. Psychologically, you're like, oh, I don't, that doesn't seem like much coming out of my pocket. Whereas, oh, here's, yeah, the, here's yeah. the cable bill again. Yeah, I think it sneaks up on you. Maybe, right? Maybe yeah. there's something to that. It might also tie into, there's another thing we have here where uh, we have these literally hundreds of streaming services. So great, we have all this stuff. Very exciting. But according to one survey we have from Nielsen, cable was maybe already more shows than we need. Uh, It was kind of a lot. They did a study in 2014 and they found that U.S. cable packages grew from 129 channels in 2008 to 189 channels in 2014. So that's 60 more channels in Mm -hmm. like six or seven years. And then they found in both years, viewers watched the same amount of channels. They watched about 17 channels and that's all they needed. That's all they need. And so that was already too many. And now we have 100 streaming services with original stuff. So it's a lot. We we only have one uh, head and two set of eyes. Right. And only so many hours to watch these things. Uh, (laughs) Because we used to say that back in those, you know, with Mad Men and uh, and Breaking Bad and and those shows, it was like we would go. I don't have time to watch that one anymore. There's just so many things on. Yeah, and now pressure. you add oh the like you say the 100 pl- streaming platforms. Yeah, what, like you can't watch everything. Yeah, yeah, you run out of run out of time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to rest my set of eyes from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can't have my set of eyes open always. But yeah, and they uh, also they did that 2014 survey right when we were just barely starting to get these streaming shows like Orange is the New Black and House of Cards both premiered in 2013. So so 2014 was like right before we had multi-season streaming shows. Mm. Like it was just cable at the time. And we were like, this is far too much. Well, this is too much. Well, and get ready. And technology was like, we hear you. Here's a thousand shows. <laughs> Point taken. Here's more. Right. <laughs> And yeah, it's not like a problem problem uh, to have too much choice, but we, we're really uh, loaded up. 
We yeah, don't think about it. We sure are. Yeah. There's also a situation where the quantity will probably grow. And this is going back to uh, Daniel Dockery's article about streaming services. There's the basic thing of Netflix. I don't know about you, but when I open Netflix, I feel like I have too many options. Mm-hmm. It's it's an infinite scroll of thumbnails of people, and I don't know what to do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I have that panic every single time. Yeah, yeah. And then even panic, it reminds me of the old days where you would flip around on the cable uh, you know, the, the when it was only like 50 channels and you thought it was too many. Yeah. And you're flipping, oh, there's nothing on. The old Springsteen song of whatever, uh, X amount of channels and nothing's on. Yeah. I feel the same with Netflix. It's like, there are 4 million options here and I just keep scrolling. How is that possible? Yeah, it's just the 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 screen should run out. It's yeah. like how there should be an endpoint to the internet in general. Yeah. Where you should just read the last website, you yeah. know? But it should be like, well, that was the last show we have. That was it. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't find anything? Yeah. You know, read a book. How about that for an option? <laughs> yeah. It just it just switches to library shelves after a while <laughs> as you're going down. Dude, you may have just created the next streaming platform. I would I would pay for it. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bookshelf? It's called Bookshelf. Have you have you have you seen the new show on Bookshelf? <laughs> I think you've I think you've created something here. In fact, I would abandon this entire show and focus yeah, exclusively we'll on bookshelf. <laughs> pack up the mics. So yeah, get out you're of done. Here. That Netflix model. Netflix is sort of the company that the other hundred services are like. How do we do that? How right. do we accomplish what they're doing? And one of the main takeaways is Netflix succeeds by having a lot. And so there's a piece here by David Sims in the Atlantic from July of last year, where he wrote about how HBO had. Basically, its best year ever going into there. Like it added the most subscribers it ever added in the U.S. And uh, their parent company got bought largely on the strength of a couple things, including HBO. Like, oh, this is going so well, what HBO does. And HBO is mainly known for like taking its time with a couple shows. Mm -hmm. But they got bought by AT&T. And in a closed door staff meeting with about 150 staff, the new executive said, quote, it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a lot of work to alter and change direction a little bit, end quote. And then he told them that they needed to add just a lot more hours of engagement, mainly because if people watch more hours, they can uh, figure out data to advertise p- to people in new ways. And the the gist of the article is arguing pretty convincingly that every service is going to try to be like Netflix and just make as much stuff as humanly possible. Because that seems to work for them. And so then we stacked too many cable channels onto too many services. Now we're stacking up too many shows on the services. Yes, we uh, are. <laughs> right? What's so it's, it's, it's shows all the way down. It's a lot. <laughs> and isn't the appeal of HBO to what you spoke of that they do take their time with shows and then they're yeah. always phenomenal? Like, Yeah, the quality is very high usually. Yeah. Yeah. And then to that end, also like, what about CISO? You know, like you're, you're, there's already ones that have gone away because there's right. you're throwing too much out there for people, and yeah, something's yeah. not going to last. It's great bringing it up because that seems to be another thing that's on the way. Because in general, there's not much evidence that any of these streaming companies are making money. Oh, which which from a business perspective is not good. No, uh, you want to make money in a business, <laughs> do you not, Alex? <laughs> I mean, I too am wearing a barrel with straps. Yeah, on we're it, not doing. But well. I'm pretty sure. That, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty sure we're supposed to make money in business. Yeah, and with that Netflix thing of this thing everybody's jealous of that Netflix has a billion shows, it's because they just keep adding literally billions of dollars of debt to make more of the shows. And uh, TechCrunch reported that in October of 2018, Netflix added two billion dollars of debt to reach a total of 8.34 billion dollars 
of debt from making new show after new show after new show. And even though they have the most optimal set of subscribers of anybody and they're the biggest thing, they are apparently losing money hand over fist. What the? Which doesn't make uh, How total does that sense sustain? to me. How does it? Uh... I think it's a Silicon Valley kind of brain okay. thing where you're just like, oh, we don't need to make money for the first century. Like, okay. we'll just build the thing. And then, you know, that seems to be the plan. And so that's what they're doing. And then also everybody's copying them. Yeah. So it, uh, they're going to run out of money, too. Uh, it's uh, trouble. It's a hard thing. It's trouble. So this whole thing we've got, it might, it might be a bubble. It might be. It might just kind of go away. But will it be know? a bubble that goes away in our lifetime? Or, or do you think it'll be... Oh, that's a good question. 40 years down the line, 50 years. Again, you're much younger than me. You'll still be alive then, but I'll be long gone. My son will talk to my grave about it. Um, will it be like, yeah, will it happen in our lifetime, this this bubble? is? Uh... Yeah, I guess there's no way to know. People want shows. Yeah. But beyond that, I could, I could see these companies either slowing down or needing to change. Or it might be something like cable almost where how it worked kind of fossilizes, you know? Right. And then it's just, well, I, I've had... Netflix for so long, I'm still going to pay $37 for it, the price now. Yeah, know? right. Like, it might be one of those kind of things. Okay. That would be my guess. I guess we don't, I, I, it would be mine as well. Yeah. But uh, who are we to know? We don't know the future. Yeah. But, and uh, it's fascinating that it could be very different very soon. Because as far as we can tell, they're losing money. Like there's one right. report that, because YouTube, uh, which has free little clips of stuff, they also have a TV service where you can get some live TV and, and some baseball games and stuff. Yeah. But reportedly, YouTube, when this was reported, it cost $35 to subscribe to it. Mm-hmm. And YouTube was spending $35.72 per $35 subscriber. Since then, they've raised the price because that's negative money. Yeah. Right. Uh, but they didn't add anything when they raised the price, and so they probably lost people. Mm. And so it seems like those and many other services, if they're anything like Netflix, they're they're not making money yet. Yeah. Like, they're, they're making money by receiving investments, but they're not earning money. <laughs> but wasn't YouTube making money prior to that? To oh, yeah, they're doing great. They're doing fine. Yeah, okay. so they're they're sort of an outlier where, like, regular YouTube is very profitable. Yeah, so okay. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but YouTube TV is what you were speaking of exclusively. Yeah, but that's okay. a good point, though, because YouTube is unique. All of these other things are just, hey, we rolled out our thing. Right. YouTube already has uh, footage of everything that's ever happened. In, so like, so it's the history of time, out. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Amazon's another outlier because they're like, you buy our videos and also we'll mail you stuff. You know, like, that's that's a whole different right. thing. Right. All the others are just like, give us money for some shows. Yeah, yeah. That's it. (laughs) You're right. Uh, And it may not be profitable. It may not be a good idea. (laughs) It's proven not to be. Uh, Based on what you just told me. Everything might change. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) There's also uh, some other just super new technological things we can look at. I don't really use VR. I don't really know much about it as a personal user. I don't know if you do. No. You tried it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I did. I have tried it, but it's. Oh, yeah. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, nah, it's not for me. I get that it's cool, but... The the name of it is cool even. Like, I can I understand the coolness. I understand yeah. why it's advanced. And I haven't enjoyed using it. But I, especially, I can't imagine watching shows on it. Nope. And Netflix wants people to do that anyway. Uh, and so Netflix rolled out a VR app for Netflix. But the way it works is not you're super in the show or something. The way it works is you sit in a virtual living room with a TV screen in it. So instead of just watching your TV or watching like a super close up to your computer or something, you put on a headset 
to be in a room where there is a TV. So you, like, so if you look it. to your right, you could see like a credenza or something like it's a virtual living room. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we have, we'll have, uh, it's an article from the daily dot that we'll have footnoted, uh, where it's, uh, it's like a nice virtual living room. There's mountains and stuff out the window, but yeah, it's, it's like a wall mounted TV in a virtual room that you wear a thing on your head to see. <laughs> to see right. Uh, and then you, so you just watch TV in a different room. That's the entire VR experience uh, for Netflix. Mm. And I, I don't know why they're bothering. It's very weird. Yeah, well, apparently they just like throwing money away based on what you've told me here today. <laughs> right. Um, the thing for VR with me is like, it, it just seems like it's a chore to enjoy it. Like you got to put that thing on your head, which is not light. It's heavy. Yeah. 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 And then you can't really move. If you move, if you move your head the wrong way, all of a sudden now you are looking out at the mountains instead right. of the TV you're supposed to be looking at. If you want to lay down, now you're looking at the ceiling of whatever you're supposed to be like. Yeah. Right? No joke. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it seems like a, like just a hassle. Yeah, because as Jimmy just said, it's also a thing where when you're in the virtual living room, if you point your head away from the virtual TV, you're no longer looking at it. Like in real life. Yeah. Uh, so if you try to lay down to watch virtual shows, you'll just be looking at the virtual ceiling of the room and the screens elsewhere. So you have to like, how well do you know the office, like the U.S. office? Very well. It's it's like that. It's like Michael's LCD TV screen in the dinner party one where he just stands and looks at it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like I feel like it's like that watching this virtual TV. Like, <laughs> yes, I, I will. Like you can't lay down. You can't relax. You just have to point <laughs> at it. Yes. Agreed. And it also doesn't have HD shows. Uh, you can only see HD shows on regular Netflix, not the uh, not the virtual one, which seems like an impediment. I just don't even know why you I don't. What, what, yeah. You have virtual reality. <laughs> you have reality around you. Right. Yeah. You have a TV in front of you. Why are you watching a fake TV on a TV? Like when does the. House of Mirrors end, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Like I like I don't need to be in a virtual room where also I'm Superman or something. <laughs> I don't. I could, right. I don't I need to just... wear a cape to watch this TV show. <laughs> just want to watch it. <laughs> I also feel like a lot of the stuff we're talking about. It's almost. It's a very benign version of just science run amok. They were like, well, yeah. we could do this. So. Right, so let's do it. Right. <laughs> I am realizing as this goes on that I'm sounding like the old man telling kids to get off my lawn. I am certainly embracing well, it. I, if you're into something, great. Be it. I don't. It, it, I keep on saying, well, that's not for me. I didn't know that. That's not for me. I wouldn't do that. Uh, live your life. Enjoy. Yeah. If you do, I've pushed you into it. It's not where it's and and nah, I'll take full blame. <laughs> take, this is not your responsibility. And, and most of this stuff also is like very new, especially the thing of actors needing to fly around the world yeah, to yeah. fool Twitter users. Like that's that's so recent, and it's it's fascinating to me that this stuff crops up like now. You yeah, know? it's yeah bananas. Yeah, yeah. The same thing happened in music, by the way, with something with with ACDC. They were spotted up in Vancouver at the same time as some producer. So it was like, ACDC's back to the new album and <laughs> nothing has happened. Maybe it will eventually, but at the time it was like, the guys were like, no, we were up in Vancouver. Like the, but, the, but the internet was crazy that they uh, they were basically That's the same fun. thing. Yeah. And also uh, uh, with other new technology stuff, I feel like we keep hitting Netflix, but it's just because it's the leader of this stuff. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like they're the Yankees. They're too good. That's right? the problem. But uh, interactive shows are a thing going on. There's uh, There was a Black Mirror episode called Bandersnatch, where it's, it's shows where you make choices and then the show follows your choices. And that's a thing going on. And that's happening on the uh, on the Netflix? Yeah, they've, they've just started to do it. There's like one episode of one show so far. And then probably some other stuff I missed. But it was, do you know Black Mirror at all? My wife watches it. 
It's like, it's sort of a Twilight Zone thing. And right. so they did one episode where you make the character's choices, but also because they're a Twilight Zone about technology, it was ironic. Like it was like, oh, your choices are actually negative oh. fundamentally. And so it was like a smart version of this thing that will soon be normal. But the thing with the interactive shows is they can also mine data of what you do. Oh, get <laughs> in your head. Yeah, and it's it, this is sort of a speculative, strange thing going on, frustrating thing going on. But Netflix definitely tracked and generated data of everything we all did in this episode because then they went on Twitter and said, isn't it fun that in this early choice, 60% of you did one thing? Hmm. Isn't that fun? And then some people read that and said, you are measuring us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and maybe that's not so much fun, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was also one guy, uh, his name's Michael Veal. He's a law school professor in the UK and in the European Union, which the UK is about to leave. They're about to about to get out of there. But at the moment, uh, they have uh, this thing, GDPR, which gives you a lot of rights to your data. It's a lot of internet rights for people. And so he said, Netflix, I make a GDPR request for your archive of what I did if you have it. If you like personalized it and tracked me that closely. And Netflix was like, yep, here you go. They had like an extremely detailed log of everything he did in the show. There's no clear uh, reason of what it's for or what they were doing with it. Huh. Uh, but speculatively, this kind of thing could be used sort of like how a lot of internet advertising works where they track what you're doing and right. then put ads toward you for it. Yeah. Which is weird. So a whole weird new thing. I think it's very weird. It's yeah. it's the strangest. I looked, you know, I looked at a, uh, a sunscreen for my windshield once, and I still get ads <laughs> for them. Like, how did they know? How did this company know I did that? Like, it's bananas. Yeah, yeah. It's happened to all of us. And, yeah. and so there's theoretically the TV infrastructure, if there's more interactive shows, uh, to do that. We'll do that as well. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I also didn't enjoy making choices. It's not for me. You didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, so I was not into it. Hmm. I didn't hate it. I was just like, I could just be watching a show. It would be fine. Uh, that's You do the heavy lifting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, just, you put it out, I'll enjoy it. Or, and if I don't like the ending, I'll whine about it on the internet. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, My other favorite thing. Yeah. Complaining. Well, it's <laughs> complaining. <laughs> right? Those are your two top two, watching and complaining. Sure. I find it very fun that as we have had this medium of TV for not a crazy long amount of time, like the uh, uh, the year when a majority of Americans had cable was 1981. So like having a ton of TV shows is relatively new. It's only mm -hmm. the past few decades. I feel like it's only ever going to do this kind of process. Like we get a great new thing and then it becomes irritating. And then we get a great new thing right. and it's irritating. Uh, and it's also just TV, so it's okay. But I don't know, maybe that'll be kind of the process we have. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it has to, like, you know, in my day, we had something called on TV, which was, maybe you did too. No, you're again, young. And so you had cable by that point, but it was a box that you had on your television that, you know, you'd flip it and then you were able to watch movies on it. And then, oh. and then that became cable and then cable became this. So it, it's, I didn't know about that stage, but that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, there were, I think there were competing ones on TV and somebody else. I forget who they, who they were, but it was a big, if you had on TV, you were rich. Yeah. You were rich people that you could afford <laughs> to have movies in your home instead of having to walk you know, to your car and drive the one mile to the video store. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's also, we have uh, another thing too, uh, and, and this is just sort of a, I think it's a good thing almost, but we, we think of video stores as very outmoded and with all of these various different things going on, they're kind of nice now. 
It's uh, video stores are rare. People did a lot of jokes and bits about the one last blockbuster in Oregon. Mm-hmm. But there are some also specialty video stores and vent and like uh, sort of retro ones people are setting up. And if you have that, you avoid everything we just talked about. Yeah, you do. Uh, you avoid all of that. You have to go to a store and you have to have a physical media player. And those are the only uh, encumbrances. That's it. Do you, because I, I will answer for me as I ask you, do you, because I do, miss going to the video store? I really liked my Blockbuster. I loved it. I loved it going cool. and uh, I went to Odyssey Video in, in, in North Hollywood and I, yeah. I and I loved it. And, it. and growing up around in Chicago, it was Blockbuster and you know then Ma and Pa ones as well. But, you know, just almost like going to a record store back in the 70s and 80s, you would go to the video store and scan the, you might go, hey, that looks like an interesting cover. And then yeah. it's like, hey, I watched this movie called Blah, Blah, Blah that I never would have picked up had it not been... Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas Netflix, you'll just go, nope, 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 nope. Looking for right. something, you know, you, you wouldn't just go like, wow, that looks interesting photographically. I hadn't thought about that, but the video store shelves, it was like a Netflix menu, but it does run out. So like yeah. you, had, you had to kind of care to, as yes. you went because eventually you would physically run into a wall. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then to, you go, well, we got to get something. Well, let's just try this. And then you go, you know what we tried? And it was great. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Uh, so I, I, I miss it for that reason. I, I, uh, but I'm wondering, and it's something you said, maybe think of this, if it will be, and I, uh, I brought up record stores, if it'll be like vinyl, how vinyl went away and how vinyl's having this amazing resurgence. Yeah, yeah. Will the video store maybe go that direction as well? That could, that could definitely be a thing. Yeah. Cause there's also uh, and we'll have it linked here in case you want to find your video store at home. Uh, not at home. It's outside, but you get it. There's um, a really nice article on the blacklist by Kate Hagan. She built a map of 470 video stores, the vast majority of them in the U S oh. uh, and they're in like Arkansas, North Dakota, everywhere. It's not just a, a city folks thing. Right. So there, there are video stores out there still like the blockbuster chain has gone away, but there are a bunch of independent ones. And like you said, even back in the day, there were a bunch of like individual, could start video stores. That was like a business you that could do. That was a business you could do. Yeah. Uh, and that might be coming back. It's a whole thing. Because also, maybe, maybe it's almost like a, a takeaway vibe for people that go out in the world with. I, I feel like whenever something, a phenomenon like Netflix comes along, part of the pitch of it or part of the excitement is everything's been revolutionized. Everything's right. amazing now. Like you don't, you don't have to sit there with a, a channel and wait for it to present you with something. You just pick it. Amazing. Yeah, you pick it. It comes to you. Uh, you go to it. Yeah. And like, and like with video stores being good and bad and streaming services being good and bad and everything else, maybe, maybe we need to know that every time one of these things comes along, it's only so good. And it's only so bad. Like yeah. it's, it's just going to be, it's not going to be something that changes your entire life, even though they all get sold that way. Yeah, right. So just like, you know, be uh, neutral expectations and you'll have a good time. All right. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> I, I will do that. I appreciate that. It puts me at ease. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I, don't, I don't know why I'm counseling everyone. I mean, but, uh, you seem to be counseling, <laughs> but I accept it. I welcome the counseling. Yeah, as $7,000. So. Uh, oh, I no longer welcome the counseling. I had no idea I was going to be charged for that because I would have tuned out had I known. <laughs> you, you just remote control. Yeah, over I would have taken out my, my laser gun and <laughs> shot in the corner of you and hope that it would change the channel. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. 
folks, that's the episode for this week. My enormous thanks to Jimmy Pardo for being so fun and funny about the shows we all watch all the time. And and as I said early in the show, his show, Never Not Funny, is an incredible podcast in many ways. And one of the ways is that I get to sort of watch shows along with him and his co-host Matt and Garen and the other people on the show. Also, amazing guests. Just like look at their feed. You'll see. I think as there is more and more TV, it's pleasant to uh, sort of secondhand consume it uh, with people who are fun and funny about it. So, of course, we have a food note to the Never Not Funny podcast, an amazing show that you may not know was uh, basically the original comedy podcast, more or less. I think we can say that, and, uh, and you'll see why if you Google about the origins of this entire medium. You'll also find the many, many articles we drew on today, a couple of cracked articles in particular by authors Daniel Dockery, Mark Hill, and J.M. McNabb, all extremely helpful. And then also many other sources that we leaned on, everything from Nielsen studies to The Next Web to Variety to The Daily Dot and more. There's a lot of sites that are, are very closely analyzing television. Like, I think there's almost more writing now on the internet about the business of TV or like who's launching what than actually breaking down the art, and it's to the enormous benefit of an episode like this, because then we know everything going on in this weird technological world. Also, one other thing to mention that I also mentioned in the intro, I am taping this before our London Live episode of the podcast that just happened. Uh, I'm sure I'm thrilled with how it went, and I will talk more about it on next week's show. In the meantime, thank you so much to everybody who came out. It, I, it's, it's wonderful. It's London. How could it not have been great, right? It's great. And in the meantime, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. This episode was engineered by Devin Bryant and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. Please let us know with a review on your favorite uh, podcast listening platform, like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen. That's uh, that's sort of the weird wrinkle of the podcasting medium, is those reviews let other people know your show exists, uh, which it turns out is important. So that's a thing you can do to help us out. And unlike streaming services, it's free. And of course, the reverse of that, if you hated this show, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. A thing people are using to stalk actors in TV shows because they love the show that much. And I don't know, maybe that's a misplaced uh, affection, I think. I think you can just let them uh, keep having their coffee or whatever. The one big exception, I don't know if you've seen Daniel Day-Lewis when he was filming the movie Lincoln and somebody got a picture of him at brunch. So he was just in like a very cozy sweater, uh, but also looked like Abraham Lincoln and he was having brunch. Like that's that's what I hope Abe's doing right now. You know what I mean? Just having a good time. Anyway, enough about our greatest president. My Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmitzagram. And I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. That's got my show dates, my fun email newsletter of free uh, internet stuff tips, and so much more. And I'm here to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.